always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. On 95.5 WSB. Are you ready? We ready. Ready for a show this Saturday morning, February 3rd. Good morning. Still pretty chilly outside, 45 degrees, almost late to the show. Because of a red alert, 75 South shut down at Delk Road, as you just heard Mike Boozer inform you. So I had time to get off at the South Loop, take 41. Nice little trip down Cobb Parkway, 41. Got right back on from Windy Hill. So if you are going somewhere this morning and need to go through Marietta, that is an easy out. Pull the parachute on that one. Uh, But got here in time. DeMarco is back. Love having DeMarco back behind the board. And we're taking your phone calls as well. 404-872-0750. Any call, any question you have, I will be more than happy to answer it or at least make an attempt to answer it. And that's the thing about the show. If I don't know, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. And people always ask me, coworkers or their spouses or whomever I come across, Ashley, I'm really sorry to bother you with this, but can I send you a picture of my arborvitae? Can I send you a picture of this weird bug? And I never say no, even though I'm, I'm full-time doing all these things during the week. I love when I get calls and questions like that outside of Saturday morning. And it may take me a while to get back to the messages on Facebook because I'm doing all of that in my, quote, free time um, on my own. But it helps me learn. It challenges me. It makes me look things up, research a little bit. And then when I answer that question for that one person, then it's content for the show because there may be 13 of you out there that go, oh, I saw that too. So I, I always welcome any calls and questions pretty much seven days a week. Why not? 404-872-0750. And I love coming up this month and into March. I'll call it my Outdoor Expert Series. I have a half a dozen guests that are going to be fantastic and really useful to you. All different topics across the board with really good information for Saturdays from now through about the end of March. So you'll have to keep joining me, keep tuning in, because next Saturday, Shannon Pable, who is a garden expert, has her G-Clip certification, certified landscape professional, was a certified arborist, just a really cool artistic designer and gardener. She's going to be in the studio with me. So we'll talk garden art and all kinds of other things that Shannon can help you out with in the landscape. And then Premier Tree Solutions, Jeff and Raphael from ChopMyTree.com are going to be in the following Saturday on the 17th. And that's the same weekend as Georgia Arbor Day. So, of course, we're going to be taking calls and questions about trees and tree work and tree pruning. But Uh, Tree health and maintenance and planting and doing things right. And boy, don't get me started on crepe murder. We'll we'll talk about that. I have something to say about that. Um, And then getting into March, Norm Mitleider, who's been on the show for as long as the show has been around now. Four years. Four years and two days old, this show. Uh, Norm Mitleider is a certified aesthetic pruner, an expert in Japanese maples. So anytime I get a Japanese maple question that I'm not real sure of, I reach out to my friend Norm. We're going to be talking about pruning Japanese maples and caring for them, what they need, what they can't tolerate. And that's going to be really fun because he's never joined me in the studio. So I like extending that invitation. And Trent Ellis in the second week of March is going to be along. Armor Wildlife Management. We're going to be talking about deer because that's a problem for all of you. If you live in North Georgia, you likely have that problem. And uh, moles too, moles in the yard and in the ground and some treatments and ideas he has for those. And the very last, no, second to last Saturday in March, it's March 23rd, Clint Waltz is along, UGA Turfgrass Specialist. And I got to see Clint and a lot of his cohorts this week at Landscape Pro University and Expo. That was such a great conference for me to attend. And anytime I'm greedy, anytime I can go to stuff like that, 
I do because I just get so excited to learn and be around those professionals and get to ask them questions that maybe if you were standing right in front of them, questions that you would have and then bring you their answers here on the show. So, I mean, it was the who's who of people affiliated with the University of Georgia that were teaching the classes and the workshops for these landscape professionals who need to get their CEUs, their continuing education credits. If you're a certified landscaper in Georgia, you've got to get so many credits a year. And same for arborists as well. In order to say that they are certified arborists, I I hope I'm right in saying they need 30 credit hours every three years. So that can, you know, you can space that out however you'd like, but maybe 10 a year. And you've got to go to stuff like this and sit through these workshops and get the latest information from University of Georgia Extension. What's going on, the latest science, the latest research. So there were even some classes there at Landscape Pro University for arborists to pick up an hour or two worth of credit hours. And, you know, some of the classes are going on simultaneously. So you have to decide which one you want to sit through. And I, I got to meet Dr. Jean Woodward with the University of Georgia talking about plant diseases and really teasing ahead. What are we going to expect this year, given the climate, given the weather? What plant diseases and pathogens are we going to see? Clint Waltz did two presentations, one on just turf grass management for these pros, you know, these landscapers to know what weeds to look for, proper application of pre-emergence herbicide. And then his other presentation was a uh, Angry angry dogs, irate customers, or something like that, more or less, you know, customer service side of things, but also helping homeowners better understand how to care for their lawn. And some of the Alfredo Martinez is a co-worker of Clint Waltz's, and he was also doing turf grass disease and things like that and different pesticides and herbicides you're able to use in the turf. And it was just wonderful. It was wonderful to see all those people and really pick their brains and be in the room with them. So 404-872-0750. Since DeMarco's back, not to put him on the spot, but uh, he was here through Mac's show, running Epic Outdoors, and he stays through and, and does the show with me. And for a long, long time, a lot of you, you've always heard Jazzercise, right? You've run Mark Aram's show. You've been on every show. Um, but for a long, long time, back before you and I started at WSB, you were with a famous radio duo for a number of years, and I read some news in the trades about those guys this week. Yeah, I've been getting a bunch of phone calls and text messages about my buddies back over in Alabama, uh, the Rick and Bubba show. Yes, and we used to carry that right yeah, here Yeah, we actually used to play it here on uh-huh. WSB. I, I, w- I started with that show as a teenager. Oh, my god! I was a kid, and now I'm like this old man. <laughs> so that shows, how, <laughs> that shows how long that show's been uh, active, and uh, the, the, this year is going to be the final year of the Rick and Bubba show and uh it's kind of bittersweet because right. it's been such a success over the years but to see it come to an end like wow they're giving people a good heads up too oh yeah yeah like, we got a whole year of celebrating yeah, so even notice. even though I'm not there all the time every day uh I'm still a part of the show and uh, I got to go back and celebrate with the guys so. so we've got a good bit of listeners that I know heard that show and listened to that show and maybe still do if they're able to stream it I or just whatnot. talked to Tommy online he he just <laughs> he just asked me <laughs> hey Tommy you're holding in there and you yeah. know so your radio name is part of the Rick and Bubba show Don Juan DeMarco has always been my radio name for years I swear I just saw the light bulb go off with a few <laughs> People go, oh my gosh, that's him? That's, that's your celebrity. Well, well I'm, I have a crazy, uh, obnoxious laugh. And, and that's the thing. Every time I laugh, I'm out in public. Hey, you you work with the Rick and Bubba show? Are you on radio? That's how people identify they, you. They hear that laugh. laugh and, and Rick and Bubba even have my laugh on their website to download as a ringtone. It, it, it's, it's crazy. How happy. 
happy is that? It's crazy. Now I want. I didn't. You've never told me that part. I knew all this other stuff, but you never told me I could download your laugh. Your laugh is the best. It's not obnoxious. <laughs> it's so. It's so loud. So loud. Oh my I get carried gosh. away, and I was always an easy target. So if uh, something was funny, and I blast off with the laughter, yep. that fuels them to keep going with it. And 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 it was one of those things where it's like, hey, we would have left that story alone until you start laughing. Yeah, now right. we, <laughs> now, now it's it. the best of bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now I remember, like when you and I started here, maybe 14, 15 years ago. I was where you are. I was running the board for a long, long time. Never thought I would host a show, and I ran their show, you know. And of course, it was like packaged and and sent to us more or less. We didn't take it live. We put it at a different time but I just remember one of the the most famous bits of that show that made me laugh that I was so entertained running the board was the lawnmower race oh yes. oh my I was like what am I listening to right now and I thought this is so redneck it's awesome yeah it was so crazy that you know if you have anytime there was a celebrity that would come in town and they would do an interview with Rick and Bubba we would spin it into something different and make it epic yeah and uh, I can't remember the name of the race car driver that was in town but we actually said, hey, you know, you know what? If you're going to be here, we might as well race. And, and, and what what other redneck thing to do is to race on lawnmowers, you know? So we set it up and got a sponsor with it and had uh, races around the building. Oh, man, it was it was it was epic. It was that fun. is so cool. Yeah. Like what clever radio, too. So from your perspective, I would say an outside perspective, but you were in the show. But just between Rick and Bubba. How do you think a duo lasts that long together successfully in radio? Like, what was the secret? It was it was natural chemistry. Uh, Rick started doing the show uh, years before Bubba started with him. Okay. Um, and it was just a natural chemistry. Bubba would just join in every once in a while and do a little funny bit here and there until it became a thing like, you know what? You need to be here all the time. Yeah, and they became um, equals. I yeah, guess. and it yeah. became equals. And it was one of those things where it's like they feed off of each other really easy. And that's the chemistry that you need doing a morning show, afternoon show, anytime show. Right. And if you have that chemistry and build off of that, it can go forever. And that's why we're we're all like, oh, wow, we're leaving. The show's over. Yeah. And they're you know? syndicated outside of syndicated Alabama show. and even yeah. outside of the Southeast. I mean, yeah. can you imagine people like in Minnesota listening to that show? I know. <laughs> like a long race. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. It's, it's a different type of radio. You yeah. know, it's it's something that you don't get often. And when I uh, I left the Alabama area and left the show, um, it was one of those things where I, I listened to all types of radio. I'm, I'm still doing radio today. Yeah. Um, but I listen to all different types of radio, and there's nothing like what Rick and Bubba bring. I would agree. You know? Yeah, that that chemistry and that, that the comedy and a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It was a sprinkle of everything. And it's I don't hear that a lot. Did they talk about politics from time to time? Not in an obnoxious way, but just like an informed way. Yeah, in an informed way. Yeah. And, and 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 believe it or not, one of their close buddies is Sean Hannity. You okay, know, because he <laughs> I, he started in Alabama. Yeah, he, he started in Alabama. Yeah. So um, and and one of the funny, funny, funny things about that is that I used to be the the one that had to call Sean Hannity and and book him for the show. Oh, hey gosh. Sean, this is uh, Don Juan DeMarco for Rick and Bubba show. Hey, uh can you be on with the guys? You know? That's so cool. <laughs> and now I'm sitting here running Sean Hannity's show National on WSB. Show, exactly. Right? Small it's world. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. I just I saw that news and you were the first I even texted you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Say it's not true, but every, all good things must come to an end." Exactly. Right? Yeah, and it's it's all fun and and love. It's not one of those we don't get along anymore. We can't do this together, yeah. you know. So it's not one of those things where you, I don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. Let's not, let's break it up. Yeah. It's not one of those situations. So Yeah, kind of like O'Neill too. You know, our buddy O'Neill, yeah. like he wasn't pushed out. It was his own decision. But after yeah. 30 something years in radio, it's just like, I don't want to get up early. Yeah, anymore. the end of this year will be 31 years 
for those guys. So, yes. Yeah. That's a huge accomplishment. Awesome. Well, congratulations on making a part of that show, really. <laughs> yes. I mean, it wouldn't be what it is without you oh, being in it for yeah, so it was, long. It was and that's amazing. Really cool. You it was have awesome. all year to celebrate, like you Yes, said. we're going to celebrate all year long. Big events coming up throughout the year. So, that's, And with as long as you and I have been at radio, you remember Ludlow Porch, too? Yeah. I mean, I was still on the younger side, but I remember <laughs> Ludlow Porch, and we ran that show here on yeah. WSP as well, and the station I started on in Canton. So that's old school radio. Yeah, that's I'm cool. aging myself a little bit, too, Ashley. Yeah, we, I, we just did. Yeah, right. ourselves. Well, I mean, the people that are older than us are like, oh, y'all are so oh, young. Oh, young yeah. bucks. <laughs> but that is really cool news. Congratulations to Rick and Bubba. Maybe one day I'll get a chance to meet those guys. One day they, soon, yes. They would be cool guests on my show. They would. And and, and this is another funny little tidbit of information. We used to uh, do a lot a television show on Turner South here in Atlanta. Really? Um, and they had the cameras set up, kind of like we have here in the studio. Um, and every once in a while, we would have to come over here and do promo. So when we would come to Atlanta to do promo, the studio that we would rent out was Studio One, was Production Room One. Get out. Yeah. That's my little home away from home. That's I never production, knew that. When I started working in Production Room One, I was like, hold up. This is the studio we used to rent. Oh, my god! Back when we would come to Atlanta to do shows. Whoa. Yes. See, there's so much crossover. Like, so that's much crossover. Really cool. Yeah, and Charles Kinney, his, he, he's always been a part of us because we were all same company. Right. And he would come over there and help us, you know, build up stuff. And yeah. They'd always ask me, hey, how's old Kenny doing? You know? Yeah, that's our engineer, the <laughs> yeah, world's tallest remote boy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whenever you see pictures on social media and he's at a broadcast with Dave Baker, they always yeah. get a picture of the two of them. And I don't know who's taller. They're both extremely tall. Tall. tall guys. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, DeMarco, that's awesome. Thank you for talking about that and sharing uh, some memories about yeah, Rick and some Bubba. memories of the Rick and Bubba show, yeah. That's so fantastic. <laughs> but I'm not going anywhere. Y'all can't get rid of me. Uh, I have, well, four years under my belt. I guess I got 26 left to go. We'll see how long I can do this. I love it, though. 404-872-0750. Your calls when we come back in the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. The weekend weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Mostly sunny today, maybe a wind gust of 15 to 25 miles an hour, but it's going to be pretty a high of 60. And I just got my car washed, and wouldn't you know it, 60% chance for showers tomorrow. Rain comes through maybe later in the day. Wind gusts kick up a little bit more, and then a little bit of morning rain. Ugh, to start your morning commute in on Monday. The complete forecast comes up in less than 10 minutes. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Number one, be on the lookout for broadleaf weeds in any type turf. And you probably don't even need to be on the lookout because you see them, especially against that dormant lawn, right? But just apply a broadleaf weed killer, something containing 2,4-D. According to label directions, You be patient, though. It may take a week or so to work. Number two, redesign your lawn for easier mowing and water efficiency. You're going to be glad you do this now so you're not paying the price in spring and summer. But you can eliminate sharp angles, narrow turf strips that you're kind of wasting getting the mower over to. Use mulch, new flower beds, or a ground cover, maybe like Mondo or Ajuga instead of some of that turf. And when you widen your garden beds, that's going to decrease those grassy areas. You just need mulch. And number three, prune clumps of pampas grass down to 12 inches tall. Use a gloved hand to pull out all the dead stems in the clump. We're going to be talking with some experts about ornamental grasses later in the show and some suggestions for others and pruning other types other than pampas grass. I uh, want to jump out to the phones because Tommy in Decatur is up first. Hey, good morning, Tommy. Good morning, Ashley. What's going on? Hey, um, just called to talk about um, cousin seed pods oh. uh, and actually mimosa seed pods. Okay. Mimosa's are, cool. Kudzu, not so much. Well, the trees, the mimosa trees, mm-hmm. those are so invasive, though. Yeah. I just, 
I know. I, I know, but I love the smell. I love the pink little furry flowers, but they are really invasive. You're right. we got to stay on top of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the kudzu pods are on the ground right now. And, um, you know, along with the maintenance you were talking about with the broadleaf weeds, it would be a good time to pick them up because they're starting to crack, open up, and drop the seeds everywhere. Yeah. It's something to look out for. It really feels that you now is a really good time to start to get ahead of, ahead of some things, and we may even see some weeds popping up now because we've had sustained temperatures in the 60s and then goodness knows you know what's going to happen with the cycle in a few weeks if it gets colder again but those have you ever seen a kudzu seed they're pretty hard so it's hard to know how long they stay in the soil and if and when they're going to germinate but they're tough little seeds right you've seen the pods though right Mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah they're they're pretty easy to identify i mean i've shown them to a lot of people you know, in the area and most, you know, even like some of the, you know, county people that work here and stuff, and they had no idea what it was. You know, most people, a lot of people aren't even aware that kudzu drop seeds like that. And yeah, and the fact that it flowers, I mean, the flower is actually pretty decent, maybe flowers like over summertime and early fall. But when you're looking at just this vast, you know, down an embankment or something, it's hard to identify those flowers. And same goes for English ivy, too. That's a cool little spiky looking white flower if you ever see it. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, that's good. And so what's your advice for the broadleaf weeds? Uh, well, broadleaf weeds, I mean, if you've got a broadleaf weed killer that you can spray in there, that's a good deal. Or a little paintbrush with some Roundup if it's some small areas. My man, Tommy. I love it. Well, hey, thanks for checking in. So good to hear from you this morning. Take care. All right. I hope to hear from you again soon. Great advice. I love Tommy's always got some good stuff. 404-872-0750. When we come back, some information about pruning fruit trees next on Green and Growing. With Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. On 955 WSB. 635 on your Saturday morning, green and growing on your radio. You're listening on 955. Maybe you're listening on AM750. Maybe you're streaming online on WSBradio.com or on the app, the WSB Radio app, free to download. Very easy to use, and you can see all of our hosts and personalities there on the app. 404-872-0750. Talking about trees, uh, you know, we had Rick Smith, the pruning guru, on a couple of weeks ago. Gosh, maybe it was last week. I Wow, it's been a time warp. I can't believe it's already February. But anyway, some things that it is proper to uh, prune right now, you know, and you can certainly prune some trees. Uh, once they start that budding, though, and leaf break or bud break or whatever for leafing out, that's kind of when you want to stop. If you start to see that process happening, uh, the tree takes a lot of energy to then open up those leaves and, and bud out and things like that. So you don't really want to interrupt that process. But when things are dormant in the wintertime, that's a great time to really do the heavier pruning. Um, but boy, did I post an article on Facebook about crepe murder. And most people understood, you know, most people that follow the Facebook page are gardeners and they're in the industry and they, they understand this. And I had a couple of comments of people that maybe just don't understand, uh, you know, the, the detriment to really pruning a crepe myrtle so severely. And they thought I was being a little harsh. But I think it's a clever phrase, crepe murder, and people chuckle at it. But I really think it is because it is very likely to lead to the eventual decline of the tree. There is no tree in Mother Nature's 
sphere that wants to be pruned as harsh as you see some of these poor, you know, multi-trunk crepe myrtles. Uh, it's unnecessary unless you're trying to reduce the height. You really don't have to prune crepe myrtles. They're going to bloom on new growth regardless of whether they're pruned or not. They put out new growth and they have those really pretty fluffy flowers, you know, come summertime. But it's unnecessary, just very harsh pruning. It's unsightly. It leaves the tree vulnerable to ambrosia beetle attacks, which we saw in mass last year. I hope that's not the cycle this year. And it causes increased sucker growth at the base because you've cut off so much of the tree that now everything in the roots, it's got all this energy in the roots and all these nutrients. And it's like, okay, well, gosh, we got to put out all this new growth to compensate for this severe cut. So we're just going to start putting growth everywhere. So you're going to see a lot more suckers at the base. And now you've got, you know, professional landscapers. Well, I say professional if they do that. It, but, you know, they're running the big riding mowers over the suckers when they're maintaining that area. So maybe it's not as sightly. But in your yard, it's going to be a pain. It's going to be a pain when every time you walk by that crepe myrtle, there are more and more and more suckers popping up. And then you're calling me how to stop them. Um, it's, it's, it's stress release, if you will, how to compensate for the severe cutting. But unless you're cutting off an entire limb of a tree, I don't see really the need to use a chainsaw just to top a tree or to top a crepe myrtle like this has uh, been done. And so, so many of the gardeners in the comments understood. And a lot of people not from here even commented, you know, I just moved to the South and I see this done and everywhere I look, it's done this way. And I thought it was the right way. Thanks for informing me, you know, and it's one of those things like a domino effect. Once you see one neighbor in your yard, do it or one neighbor in your neighborhood, do it. And everybody starts to be like, yeah, I should probably call the landscaper too and have him cut my crepe myrtle that way. And it's just really like this crazy domino effect of blah. Um, but yeah, so not doing that. And then I actually just posted an article while we're on the topic of crepe murder uh, that Premier Tree Solutions shared, which I'm glad to see that too, about topping trees. And, you know, some arborists used to think that that was promoted uh, to be able to top trees and, and it be of some benefit. And it's really not. Um, and unfortunately, the power companies sometimes have to do that out of necessity. If the tree has been planted under power lines and it's more than 15 feet tall or it's becoming more than 15 feet tall, and it's it's going to be a hazard to those power lines and potentially to you know homes and businesses nearby. So they, they have no choice but to top them. Uh, it's not up to the power company to remove the tree, nor are they allowed to do that without permission. But that's why you see a lot topped. But, you know, if you're looking to promote maybe... Um, more sun filtered through the area, less shade, topping a tree isn't the way to go. There's ways to have an arborist come look at the tree and a tree company like Premier Tree Solutions to come in and limb it up. You know, you can limb up a tree and remove some of those lower limbs, open up the the area beneath for a little more sunshine or whatever. But again, if, if you do even that, that's kind of considered extreme pruning in a sense. When you limit up and you remove a lot of the major limbs of a tall tree, you're going to see increased growth come out of weird places along the trunk. Just again, because that tree doesn't know now where to send the energy because some of its main branches are gone. So anyways, read up about that. Topping trees or you shouldn't top trees. Crepe murder and all that on the Facebook page. Um, on Facebook, just search Green and Growing WSB. Like or follow the page there. Read some of the comments. I mean, I was amused. I, I didn't really reply to any of them. Um, but I was amused at the how it can be so different. How can we, you know, really um, perceive things that differently? Some people are like, yay, go Ashley. Woohoo. And some are like, oh, you're being too harsh. It's funny. Uh, but everything that I try to share on the show now that I'm 
much more educated than I was when the show began four years ago because I'm a certified master gardener. Plus, I just I listen. I talk to a lot of different people and I listen because I want to learn. Um, so now that I have all of that information, I'm armed with a master gardener certification through the University of Georgia. It is our responsibility to share what the science is behind it, not what you do just because your grandma always did it or what you're doing because your neighbors are doing it. I am going to give you the science behind why to do something or not to do something. And speaking of the University of Georgia, um, I caught up with my friend Josh Fooder, who is the county extension agent for Cherokee County, where I live. And he's got a lot of fruit trees on the property. And they're awesome. And he's known for his passion for apple trees. And so this is the time of year to do some pruning on fruit trees as well. If you have one, if you have a few, you know, might maybe get up there and really to start to open up the shape of the fruit tree for it to be more productive. But a lesson in fruit tree pruning with County Extension Agent Josh Fooder on his property. And Josh, we're looking at your apple trees. And how, how many do you have on the property, give too or many. take? Yeah, too many. <laughs> I thought so. Too many. But we're out pruning today. Here it is toward the middle to end of January. And this is a good time to prune. And you have a lot to get done. So you're getting a jump get on it. Yep. Anytime it's dry, hopefully for maybe three or four days. Yeah. And your tools are sharp and you can get out here. That's, to me, a rule for pruning. Now, you've started this one. You've trained it well. And we see the red spacers in there to kind of get the branches to grow a little more horizontal rather yep, than vertical. Yep. Where are you even just aesthetically stepping away from this? Where are you even thinking about cutting and why? This tree has been in the ground, I think, uh, either five or six growing seasons. Okay. So see the goals for me are somewhat changing. Yeah. Initially, my uh, kind of four initial scaffolds weren't too much, but uh -huh. you can see eventually it's overcrowded. So I need to make a hard decision and remove a bigger branch at the base. That is a hard decision to make a cut because all these branches are about the same width. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And they all have good angles, but you know, uh, it's all about access to light and uh, building a healthier tree long term eventually. And if I look, uh -huh. if you really want to kind of overthink this, which I try not to, <laughs> is look for buds. Okay. Um, because at the end of the day, hopefully we're doing this and we're maximizing still the amount of fruit we're going to get. You know, five, maybe six, mm -hmm. dit, 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 maybe a few here. Beyond that, I've just got a lot of very juvenile vegetative growth. The upright vigor um, has kept this from having more uh, fruit buds. I, say, I always say fruit buds, but it's really flower buds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fruit buds on this, so. And the I'm branch feeling... has to be sturdy enough to withstand the weight of a lot of apples, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but it's, it's maintained a lot of this juvenile vigor at the um, sacrifice of more, um, you know, fruit production. You know, I'll get the weight off out here. I have to be exact to do this. Then I could be a lot more exact. Yeah. Take my time and, you know, just make sure I'm uh, making for a quick, clean cut that's gonna hopefully be sealed over, healed over by the tree. You cut close enough to the trunk to where it has room to seal over. Yeah. And when you're making these cuts, I mean, just general pruning on trees in general, you don't need anything to paint onto the new cut or anything like that. You don't want to do that. Nature will help it seal over its work. And how long will it take for that to uh, kind of seal over? Oh, probably a couple of years on one this size. But you can see if we go back in time, that's why I really, I love pruning so much is, is part of it really, if you know what you're doing, if you know what to look for, you can look back uh, in time. 
Didn't you bundle up a little bit just hearing that wind? <laughs> that was a colder day a couple of weeks ago when Josh and I were out there and there was no way to shield the microphone from the wind. So sorry about that. But I, I hope you heard the gist of it. And so he's out there pruning the apple trees. And so that is kind of on your to-do list as well to get that done soon. Again, any major pruning to any trees needs to be done before it starts to leaf out, right? Um, and Josh is so passionate about apples and has connected with so many people who have the same passions. And Diane Flint, who was on the show, who's written a book about the history of apples in the South. And so some cool info for those of you apple tree lovers. Um, Josh is offering three different workshops around Georgia for grafting and maybe a little talk about the history of apples too. And I wanted to share that. Um, Saturday, March 23rd is the first. It's a grafting workshop and a presentation of Heirloom Southern Apples, Past, Present, and Future. That's happening March 23rd. That's kind of an all-day thing, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And the grafting workshop is one of the things he loves doing so much. Um, Then I think March 24th or 26th, He's hosting a grafting workshop in Banks County, but I don't yet have the details on that. But y'all can follow up on the Facebook page of the Banks County Extension or even call their extension office and see when they get information on that. It's either March 24th or March 26th for those of you over that way. And then uh, one with Cherokee County, Apple Grafting Workshop on Friday, March 29th. So that's a lot of cool opportunities there to learn a little bit more and understand is grafting, how you can really kind of design your own apple in a sense. And that's how we're able to keep a lot of these older historic varieties around by people like Josh who know what they're doing, grafting those things. Um, and it was really a shame to see in part of uh, his garden where fire blight had really affected a lot of the apples that were growing. And if you've seen it, you know exactly what fire blight is. The most notable noticeable symptom in something like an apple tree or a crab apple or a pear that's been affected with fire blight is just the sudden death of new leaves at the end of a branch. So you just look up and you start to see, you know, maybe four or six inches in dead leaves on the ends of branches. They're going to be kind of scattered throughout the tree maybe. It could occur on one full side of the tree. It just depends how it's moving. And if the branches on a pear tree are affected, you look at the branch and you'll see black like that's scorched. Um, so an appropriate name, fire blight. So really a lot of orchard folks staying ahead of that with bactericides and pruning, proper pruning, pruning out the affected limbs and making sure that all of the pruners and the equipment that you use are properly sanitized so that you don't spread it. And as with anything in the garden industry, which is so fascinating how growers can do this, resistant varieties, there are varieties resistant to fire blight. Not to say that that's a 100% guarantee that it's not going to get it, but there are a lot that are uh, resistant, so that's really a good start. And the same goes when you're thinking about growing your summer vegetable garden, too. If you've had the same problem with, say, your tomatoes for years and years, they get mosaic virus or some bacterial issue or whatever. When you're shopping for different varieties, yeah, you may be in love with the particular tomato that grows on the plant that you're buying, but maybe it's time to switch it up a little bit and buy a variety that's a little more sophisticated, that's, you know, bred to be resistant to certain diseases that occur over and over. And I don't know about orchards. It's not as easy to do because once a tree is established, it's there. It's going to live there. But with your vegetable gardens, crop rotation, and what we mean by that is the different families of vegetables, you know, broccoli and all those leafy things are in a different category than peppers and tomatoes are in a different category than corn and carrots and things like that. And just rotating where you place those families, those groupings of plants so the soil can kind of 
get rid of or eliminate any disease or something that's in it because that can stay in the soil for a long, long time. And if you continue to plant plants of the same family in that same soil and they keep getting clipped every year and you wonder why, that's why. So then plant something from a family that's not susceptible to that particular disease that may be overwintering in the soil. So interesting information there. Uh, We will be talking more about pruning ornamental grasses, maybe selecting some. That's a great addition to the landscape. If you don't have any in your landscape, I recommend you do. And then we're also going to be talking about seed starting. Summer vegetables, we want to plant all those things and be eating all that great food in the summertime. So a little bit uh, from Joe Lample, Joe Gardner, about just overthinking seed starting because it's coming up on the time for us to do that indoors now and then have the plants ready to put out in the summertime so a lot more to go on the show plus your calls 404-872-0750 we'll be right back it's green and growing on wsb all right how to plan your weekend a quick weather update brought to you by finley roofing mostly sunny today like yesterday yesterday was beautiful wasn't a high of around 60 it's going to be a little bit breezy though and then unfortunately cloudy tomorrow morning with rain moving in later in the day cools it off to a high of the upper 40s perhaps and then maybe rain staying with us into monday morning and then clearing off with a high of 55 the complete forecast comes up in less than 10 minutes green green and growing Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. DeMarco's such a professional back there. He doesn't miss a beat. I cue him, and the music starts, and this show is seamless. Thank you, DeMarco. Number one, prune clumps of pampas grass down to 12 inches tall. You've seen a lot of your neighbors do that, maybe. And that's a good thing. Use a gloved hand to pull out dead stems in the clump, and that is going to just grow right back in the warmer weather, and it's going to be back to, what, three, four feet tall before you know it. Number two, be on the lookout for broadleaf weeds in any uh, type turf. Apply a broadleaf weed killer, maybe something that's active ingredient containing 2,4-D. Always read and follow label directions. It's going to tell you what time of day is best, how much to apply, what part of the plant to apply it to. And be patient. It may take a week or so to work. So don't go out there the next day and go, ah, that weed's still alive, and spray it again. You don't need to do that. You're wasting money. And number three, redesign your lawn for easier mowing and for water efficiency, right? When we're out there with the sprinklers trying to water our grass, if your grassy areas are so segmented, you're letting a lot of water go to where it doesn't need to go. And eliminate sharp angles and narrow turf strips. That way you're not having to move the mower around. And when you widen those garden beds, you're going to decrease the grassy areas. Think of ground covers, maybe like Mondo or Ajuga. They're low-growing. Yes, they're spreading, but they're low-growing, something like that, especially underneath trees. Um, Use mulch in new flower beds when you're expanding those spaces out. 404-872-0750 is the number. And Tommy called at the top of the show and was talking about kudzu seed, right? Um, And I thought it was interesting through the um, Alabama Cooperative Extension, a little bit of history on kudzu In the late 19th century, kudzu seeds were imported and sold for use as an ornamental vine, and it was used to shade people's porches and courtyards. Boy, if we knew then what we know now. Uh, It was also appreciated for the grape-like fragrance of its flowers, which the flowers are pretty. Again, the flowers out maybe late summertime. And by the turn of the century, kudzu was available through mail-order catalogs. Can you imagine ordering kudzu? Like, why in the world? But it was inexpensive forage for livestock, too. And then in the 1930s, kudzu reached the height of its prominence. The Soil Erosion Service, it's been renamed since then, uh, was in charge to reduce soil erosion. And so they suggested that and gave uh, kudzu plants to farmers. Like, that makes you want to pull out your hair, right? So that's how a lot of it got here. And here it is. It has taken over the South. So, uh, and, And not that I'm promoting this by any means, but if you Google 
kudzu seeds, there's bags for sale. There's bags of kudzu seeds for sale. Like, that's insane. Don't do that. Um, 404-872-0750 is the number. So, yeah, thinking about seeds, uh, the seeds we do want are summer vegetable crops and all of that. You'll hear a little bit from Joe Gardner, Joe Lample, about seeds starting. I'm going to get you amped up. I'm going to get you ready for it. If you have the space and a really good lighting system or a bright, bright, bright room where you want to start seed indoors, we're going to start that together. I'm going to get all my things ready to do that in a couple of weeks. And we'll talk about I keep teasing this, and I promise I will do it eventually. Um, pruning ornamental grasses and what ornamental grasses maybe good suggestions to add to your landscape. They're so pretty. So we're going to hear from some folks at Rivermont Golf Club over in the Johns Creek area with some suggestions there. And also I threw out this idea, maybe one of the first shows of January when I was just talking out loud like this. I never know what I'm going to say till it's already said. But I was like, ooh, a good topic for the show would be organic gardening. What does that mean? You know, if you buy something and it's labeled organic or it's OMRI certified or naturally grown, farm grown. What does all of that mean? Well, I tapped into Bob Westerfield, who's an expert at the University of Georgia in ornamental plants and so many other things. And we're going to really kind of hone in on what organic gardening means. So a lot more to come in your calls as well. 404-872-0750. And my friend Norm Mitleider, who I mentioned earlier in the show, coming on the show on March 2nd to talk about Japanese maples and some woody ornamentals in the landscape. He's on the line to talk to us, too, about tree pruning and Japanese maples, maybe transplanting them, what to do, what not to be doing right now. So stay tuned for that. I'm glad you're here on a Saturday morning. It's green and growing.